Hey, man. So uh, I'm going to L.A. I'm going to L.A. in like a month. And as you know, this is a big deal. Now, people yeah. listen to this, but don't maybe maybe don't know my personal preference. I have been on a consent. And the way that the Republicans have been on an organized smear campaign of Hillary for 25 years. Yeah. I have been you've smeared. been out in the streets campaigning against the concept of L.A., even though you've never been there. Yeah, just the concept, just the idea that, that it could yeah. exist in the world offends me. So I've been you're really a walking one man uh, anti L.A. protest. Right. Now, let me ask you something. Uh, has this ever made sense? Like even a little no. bit? <laughs> not even a little bit like you're like you know me though is there any avenue where like okay i could see why christian would hate that he doesn't like palm trees you know like I something mean, like that you get confused by the letter w man so like it's really <laughs> anything's fair game it's, it's not surprising shoot. it still doesn't make sense right so uh valentine's day came and i wanted to do something nice for dolores uh and i fucked up my original present so my backup present was like i'm just gonna take you somewhere because you know we were yeah. supposed to go to colorado but then the dog got sick so right. we didn't go on a vacation and we're like desperately wanted to so for some reason 150 dollars round trip to go to la and i was like okay so we're going to la like that's what happened yeah. and then very quickly it snowballed because it went from like okay we're going to la it's cool to go visit to um i don't i don't like all the hate that i've had for you know when they say that like uh really really homophobic people are like secretly a little gay that's why they really have a problem with homophobic gay people because yeah. they hate themselves that's what's up all my hate so, so you think that all this deep-seated hatred towards la is just stemming from a secret desire to not only visit but possibly live there right yeah i don't know where this came from and again so like here's the thing because that's a leap man like i, I want to be clear to our audience <laughs> it was not even a month ago when you were talking such mad shit about la and i was like christian you've never been there and you were like i know i don't have to go la's it's a new york thing though you know like immediately we're on east coast west coast do you think that you were already like taking sides like you're still in the 90s rap battle or something obviously la is way cooler but new york is harder you know what i mean like we've earned it we've got the snow and the sun i mean la's just got the sun so you immediately go on the defense because anyone being like, I'm from LA, I'm like, oh, fuck you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like people, you still get a, there's a great Carlin bit about jaywalking uh, in LA and that a cop actually tried to write him up for that. And he was like so fucking angry at him because he's like, jaywalking's a goddamn pastime in New York. Like the idea is to jaywalk. It improves the efficiency of the city somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. The point is I was really, really shitty about it. And then all of a sudden, and, and, and you know, I'm in real estate, so I deal with a lot of fucking hipster woke liberal kids moving Mm -hmm. from jersey or from connecticut or whatever and they all want to move to brooklyn because they saw it on girls you know what i mean like they saw it on tv first and that was glamored uh, glamorized to them so then they wanted to come and then i'm thinking like am i doing the same thing um no because the only la things i know are like mulholland drive nightmare um and then you made me watch neon demon last night which was also a nightmare so there's nothing (laughs) sexy about la to me it's like this post-apocalyptic land that just exists out west that well it's weird dude but i I mean I think that even those nightmare movies make LA like it, at least they capture the mystique of it. You know, it, right. it's got it's got a mysterious vibe. I can't explain it. I'm, I've only been there twice, and I want to be clear, I'm not an LA expert, but I'm right. constantly put in the position, at least up until now, of having to defend this city um, against your. Right. Uh, <laughs> I forced you to have a position that you didn't feel strongly about one way or the other. <laughs> right. No, I've been there a couple times. I had a good time. Um, I like the vibe. <laughs> And that, that's where I left it. Right. 
You said LA expert, and I wanted to make a joke about the airport, but it's, that was that's just connecting dots. That's lazy, you know. What am I doing? I, I thought it was pretty good, man. You should follow and trust All your right. instincts. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was really um, impressive. My instincts have been to shit on LA for years, but now coming around to it. So I'm kind of excited. Like we're planning on doing all these things. I have a musician friend, uh, Honus, uh, is, is putting out a new man. So I'm going to go see a couple of shows over there, which I'm really excited about. I'm um, going to go to Harmontown and run into Rob Schraub. Uh, but mostly I just want to go to like Koreatown and Little Tokyo and just eat all the food. <laughs> like just all mm-hmm. the fucking food, man. Um, so yeah, it's weird. It's a big seismic uh, shift uh, to the thinking of LA. And yeah, like even recently thinking about moving over there. But I got really freaked out about um, just just all of it. Just that it feels off kilter. Because we talked about this a little bit yesterday on the phone. But I really want to mm-hmm. explore this, which is the idea of time zones. Much like W scares the, the shit out of me. Like I don't, like I understand them, but I don't really understand them because the this much like uh, Germany, right? The idea of Germany is a very right. recent idea, right? Like Germany as we know it is only like a hundred something yeah. years old. All right. Time zones have to be in the last hundred, 150 years, right? Like, I mean, like what is time? Like when did we start caring? It was because of trains, right? That's exactly what I would read, which is like, we had to start having the trains show up on time to make a schedule. So like, that's mm-hmm. the only reason that it came about. And then right. at some point we switched over to a standard. Yeah, they got really tired of being like, well, when the sun is in the three quarters quadrant of the sky, um, hopefully you'll arrive somewhere right. around then. It's just a longer letter. It's a lot of fucking, yeah. you know, you need a big marquee to get that across and uh, get a pace. They, they didn't have a lot of paper back then. They're like, we got to condense this. Okay, but see, that's my thing. So it's a recent advent, which time in and of itself, I don't want to, before we get too existential and, and metaphysical about it, let's just stay to the, the point, yeah, which like time in and of Before trains, everything was happening at once. Well, it was it, sort of, like, that's my point. But even, even like how we measure time is imperfect, right? So Max, mm-hmm. let me ask you, how many hours are in the day? 24, cuz. Okay, but that's not true, is it? The real truth is that it's 23 hours and 56 minutes we've started to round to the 24 hour, which is we start losing time that we have to add this shit up and this results in a fucking leap year. We have a whole extra day that just exists because of all the minutes that we're like, ah, just put it in my fucking minute bank account and then Mm -hmm. I'll redeem it for a full day later on, (laughs) like, which is crazy to me. And I'm just saying like time in in and of itself is already a weird, loose concept. Um, but but it's a flat circle, bro. Okay, don't. If you're just if you're not gonna take this seriously, if you're just gonna throw true detective season one quotes at me or Nietzsche. Is, I guess a- that's Nietzsche, but you know, whatever. <laughs> All right, sorry. I gave Pizzolotto way too much credit. I was like, you, you think know, that we gave Matthew McConaughey way too much credit. <laughs> there was like a four year period where he was just picking good scripts, but was he ever like great? Yeah. Was yeah. Because then you watch but, him talk and you're but like it was great. Is this guy smart or is he the dumbest man alive? I don't right. know. But Mud was really good. Yeah, but was that because he was good or is it because the script and direction was good? Well, how do you t- see now we're going into a whole thing? Like, how do you ever know? Like, that's what I hate. Like, like, uh, all right. So like when a, a, a child actor wins an Academy Award, it's always to the director and the editor who's just don't laugh at me. I'm having a conniption about your fucking. Yeah, you're just like, <laughs> I'm just Let's saying, get back like, to LA. Uh, McConaughey is very talented and a okay. smart man. Um, all right, Majority circling rules. all the way back to the West yeah. Coast then. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even know, man. I just, I'm really freaked out about what I perceive LA to be. And it's weird to me that Mulholland Drive mm. is the LA I like. The yeah. dark, creepy version yeah, of it. Yeah, the seedy, 
Yeah. Well, dude, Neon Demon. All right, so let's just talk about this movie. And if we stray too far from L.A., remind us to go back. But okay. I think that L.A. is such a – it's so fucking dumb to say – such a character in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it's just like Drive was, right? They yeah. show this other side of L.A. that most people don't see. Nightcrawler is another wonderful one where I'm like, this is great because literally – uh, two thirds of the world don't see LA at this time in this light in in this circumstance. You know what I mean? Right. Most people are sleeping in the middle of the night. So there was a lot of stuff like that that I think is really interesting. And then I just get shitty about like the Beverly Hills of it all. Because don't you have a story that you went there and they were just really shitty to you or something? It wasn't that they were really shitty. It's just like one of those one of the only times in my life where I legitimately just kind of felt like poor and gross just for being me. I was walking around trying to find um, different movie locations because I was in LA for a little bit. And I was walking through Beverly Hills to find the apartment from Mulholland Drive and I found it and it was in this really nice swanky fucking neighborhood. And there were like literally like Bentleys and Lamborghinis in the driveways and shit. And I just remember like rolling, like wearing my beanie with my little half beard, rolling a suitcase around like an old ass suitcase and just people like slowing down to look at me. Just like, is he lost? Is he a homeless man? What's going on? You know what I love about that? uh, There's some real racial thing on that because that's the same thing as being in a really bad neighborhood and a car creeping up on you, right? Yeah. The same exact (laughs) feeling on a different socio, like economic level. Right. Make you feel like shit because you're like, oh, no, you know? But, well, that's my point. It's like, so I want to stay away from like the ritzy, ritzy, ritzy stuff just because Mm -hmm. I don't think that's indicative of what's real. I want to go to a lot of neighborhoods that are, um, like, it's weird. Like, Little Armenia is right between Los Feliz and Silver Lake. And all I know is that Silver Lake is, like, hipster central. All right? right. It's the Williamsburg of it's California. Williamsburg, yeah. um, but then, like, if you look on a crime map, which I don't ever, ever, ever recommend people do, but I, I have seen it or whatever, and it's just, like, Silver Lake is super clear, and uh, Los Feliz, super clear, and then Little Armenia, like, real red. And I'm like, let's live there. Let's go to Little Armenia. <laughs> all right? No, because I just want it's going to be affordable. Like, I'm sorry. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> i'm puerto rican i can't contribute to gentrification i need to make that clear but i will contribute to it's not that you're ignoring the map it's that you're actively using it against its own purposes <laughs> you're saying let's go to the most yeah, dangerous place you map tell me where to go <laughs> fuck geography fuck the concept I hate it. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's another bullshit concept like time. So I, I don't want to. Anyway, so my point is this. I'm going down the rabbit hole of L.A. Really excited to have a bunch of like food places I want to go to. Going to go to Redian Canyon. Uh, Redian Canyon. Going to go to Echo Park. All that shit. Really excited. Yeah. Um, but then I like I found a dark corner of the Internet, which wasn't that dark. It was just annoying, which there is a guy in L.A. named Charlie Zelenoff. Have you ever heard of this guy? I don't think okay. so. Maybe he's coming up in the world. I don't know. But he's a, okay, he's a, he's a real-life Mike the Punch Pancini, like oh from Who's Going to Train Me. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. He's a real version of this guy. And so if you go on YouTube, it's like this really <laughs> – That is such a deep-cut reference that only you and I and about three other people in the world will get. I'm pretty sure Dan Harmon forgot about that shit. Right. Well, I'm going to throw that out of what I see. <laughs> Mike the Punch Pancini. I'm Mike the Punch Pancini. <laughs> You know he's going to fucking respond to that, or he's forgotten it fucking forever ago because, you know, vodka and cocaine. But Right. Um, so this guy, literally, if you go on YouTube and you look him up, he, he, he's almost like, remember that scumbag Steve meme? Mm-hmm. Like, where the guy's, like, wearing a hat, and he's like, yeah. Johnny Walker Blue mixed it with Coke. And you're like, oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so he, he has like the voice of what you imagine that guy would have. He's mm-hmm. a really skinny Russian dude. Uh, and he and he's an internet troll. Like he goes around. He's a boxer. He calls himself. He says he has a, a an unofficial amateur record of two hundred and thirty to one. Okay. Yeah. Um. And what he does is he gets people to put on gloves in like gyms and says yeah. light sparring. And the minute that they put the gloves on, he just starts swinging on them and kicks their fucking asses. Right. Like sucker punches them. Okay. I'm how has he you been all- getting away with this past the first time? Oh like, my god, that- I, dude! There are hours, and I mean hours, of footage on this motherfucker. <laughs> like, there's a documentary. Like, like I spent a good four or five hours of my life learning everything about this guy the other day. And he so- encourages that level of recognition for being a sucker punch piece of shit. Right? Yeah. No, he loves it, and so he's actively a troll. So one of the things he did was he mm. reached out to uh, this guy named Deontay Wilder, who's a heavyweight boxer, really fucking good, thirty nine and zero. Like mm. really good, and also the nicest human being who's ever lived. Like every time he does a post-fight interview, he's just like the sweetest man. You want to give him a hug because he feels bad that he hurt the other guy. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> right. Like, right. It's okay. really adorable. And so this guy called him Charlie Zelenov. It was like, "Yo, you're a fucking bitch, man. You know, I'll fucking kill you, and uh, I'll tape your daughter's mouth, and blah blah." Like got really weird with it, right? So Deontay Wilder books a fucking flight and is there six hours later. And the footage of him just chasing this fucker around and like beating the shit out of him was everything, man. It was like if Tom Brady would have broke his leg during the Super Bowl, it would have been everything, you know? Yeah. So it was it was like it's amazing, but he does this all the time. And so like the only thing more satisfying than like watching this troll get his ass kicked is the amount of times that he thinks he's gonna kick someone's ass and then uh tires himself out. So like there's right. one other video, and I know I'm going all over the place, but bear with me. There's one other video where a 16-year-old amateur boxer is coming up. Charlie uh, tries to fight him. As soon as he gets the gloves on, he, like, swings flurry, flurry, flurry. But this guy's, like, an actual trained boxer. So he's just like, oh, I'm good. Like, ducking and weaving. Mm-hmm. He's totally fine. And then Charlie, like, uh, t- tires himself out. And this 16-year-old proceeds to beat the dog shit out of him, man. And it's wonderful. And he, try- he runs out of the ring. And the guy's like, you ain't going. He jumps out of the ring and still fucking fights him. And it's amazing. But the problem is that this guy has like a career. Like he is making money for being a piece of shit. And this is the real problem with LA is that it encourages this man. God damn it. No, don't do that. Don't like, oh, there there are no assholes in New York. Like he's just geographically located there. I don't know any any people in New York doing that level of assholishness. Like that's the problem. They probably couldn't get away with it in New York. You're goddamn right. That's the point. New York doesn't <laughs> regulate, bro. That's what's so good about the city, as opposed to this fucking hippie place that you want me to move to so bad. Hippie place. Oh my god, so hippie-ish. There's fucking, you know, I mean... it's, it's things happening. <laughs> <laughs> I told you once, Ryan. Ryan bought a custom, uh, a custom red mariachi outfit. And he was like, you know, my favorite part about L.A. is I wear this and no one blinks at all. <laughs> it's like, I'm just another weirdo in a sea of weirdos. Right. I'm like, yeah, hippies. And only hippies wouldn't care. In New York, if you wore that shit, someone would say something. I know we're notorious for, like, letting everyone do their own thing, but mm-hmm. not a red mariachi outfit. <laughs> Cultural <laughs> appropriation, man. Right. People would not be having it. I mean, oh, shit. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good response to that. Maybe L.A. does suck. Maybe you're convincing me. Maybe. Well, there it Probably is. Probably not, though. Yeah, let me get out. Because I've been there, and I, I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's kind of like the seat of all, like, you know, commerce for the entertainment industry, though. So not very hippie on that mm. level. On that level. Yeah. A lot, a lot of money, a lot of assholes, a lot of cocaine. Right. Hippies don't like cocaine, in my experience. Is that a thing? Too, 
It's too intense. All I know about cocaine is Bob Zemeckis loves it. I, we've talked about this before, but uh, apparently loves cocaine. And so that's the real adventure I want to get into uh, while I'm in L.A. It's Meaning just, what? Like to find Bob Zemeckis and do cocaine with him or no, 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 become just, Bob Zemeckis yeah. while doing a lot of cocaine? To become his him. Like our How do you think Dolo is going to feel about that shift in your, in your lifestyle? I'm Bob Zemeckis, okay? I got castaway money. <laughs> I don't think she's going to say a goddamn thing, bro. Can so you? even if, if you're like doing cocaine, like from the moment you wake up to the moment that you go to sleep, which right. is you're not getting much sleep because of all the cocaine. Right. Like as long as you're making that castaway money, yeah. you're good. Do you Your think relationship rock solid are still coming in strong? <laughs> like I, I mean, don't know how my, residuals work for film. My aunt was in the choir for one song from the Godfather part three and still gets residual checks from that somehow. So are they ever big or is it like 25? No, it's like 50 to a hundred bucks, but still mm. randomly gets money for that. You know, you've told me that story a bunch. and This is the first time you've ever said Godfather three. Like in my mind, uh, you're, you're, you're <laughs> on was like in the good ones. <laughs> like no, in the, no, she's changes. in the, in the bad ones. <laughs> Oh man, she should give that money back. She should just be like, "Sorry, I can't accept this." Like, <laughs> Sofia Coppola was unconvincing, and uh, I mean, Andy Garcia fucked his cousin in that movie. It was very strange. Yeah, uh, and then he becomes the new Godfather, and it's like yeah. we just met this asshole. Who is this show? Yeah. We didn't earn this, Andy Garcia. His name's Garcia too. No offense, but I could not. Right. I cannot get outside of myself and be like this fucker. It just makes out. me think of Cherry Garcia, the ice cream, even though that's named after Jerry Garcia, Jerry Garcia. from the Grateful Dead. All right, so not at all. Like Candy Garcia, that would be the... I like can't the- control my brain, Christian. I don't know what to tell you. I can only apologize for it. Oh, man. Um, anyway, so <laughs> the point is I'm really excited about LA. Uh, I want to sort of shift to Neon Demon, which is also about LA. So yeah. I finally watched Neon Demon at your request. Didn't realize this movie's now three years old because that's yeah. the weird thing about the Amazon releases is that you, I went to see Manchester by the Sea in theaters, mm. which was great. And that's why yeah. I watched it because had I waited until it came out on Amazon. It's a real, it's a real light watch, you know, right. it's real breezy. It's a real <laughs> breezy 90 minutes. You get all dolled up. You say, hey guys, what do you want to do tonight? Let's have a fun <laughs> time. You go watch Manchester by the Sea. Pop on Manchester by the Sea, baby. Um, Let's get emotional. Right. Uh, I had emotions watching Neon Demon, but just not anything <laughs> that's human. <laughs> like, here's the thing about that movie. I, uh-huh. I don't know if I like it. I, I literally mm. don't know if I like it. Was I fucking engaged to every second mm-hmm. of it? Yeah. Like, was I genuinely scared of pretty much everything that happened in it? Yeah. Did I understand <laughs> it? No. <laughs> Do I need to understand it? No. Like, I don't think I really, like, there's enough, it's much like when we're talking about Eraserhead, there's enough to grab onto that'll mm-hmm. make you, that'll get you through the uncertainty of some things. Um, yeah. So you just, I mean, on the basis, it's like, it's a very easy story. She comes in, she's green, she's perfect, she's naive in a good way, and mm-hmm. then it's very quickly corrupted by uh, narcissism and blah, 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 blah. Like the idea of uh, fame and money and right. the idea that she's better than all the other girls. Right, yeah. which is not something that she believes. It's something that is put into her head until she believes it, which is right. And by the end, it's like she thinks she knows it. Right. right. I kind of, a, I mean, like I think by design, kind of a horror film. Uh, but like mm-hmm. the things that scared me about it, I mean, I was just like the, out, the exterior shots of that weird motel were creepy to me. When the the woman is talking about the doctor, her yeah. plastic surgeon, and she's just going into like everything that he did yeah freak me the fuck out man. Like, that's, but that's the problem she's like plastics is just good grooming 
but this is why yeah. the um the la thing creeps me out and like mm. all jokes aside because it's like i've said this a bunch like new york new york really spits you out it doesn't harbor your delusion in fact it tries to crush your dreams and if you can get over the constant pressure of your dreams being crushed you usually persevere and you've done something really good la like you told me you went there and all your uber drivers were actors and all your waitresses were just waiting for their audition it's a city yeah. that like lets that happen to people that right fosters this, delusion. it's the promise of something that you'll likely never get or see a piece of even, right. if, even if you're lucky enough to be one of the very few that lands a supporting role in a show or a tv show there's no guarantee you'll get work after that right you know I've been doing that a lot. I'm watching like old sitcoms from the 2000s and I'm seeing actresses oh, and I'm just I, like, I thought you were going to tell me that like you had been landing, secretly landing like small supporting roles in TV shows. I've been doing that a lot. I've been doing that, man. I mean, <laughs> uh, I don't have any speaking lines, but I'm hoping to get my SAG card next year. All right. You're just looking right at the camera in every shot. Well, we call it buzzing the camera, man. No, you know, buzzing. Like, it's a technical term. You learn that when you get some small roles, but right. Um, but yeah, I mean, watching that, it was, it was a really, it was nightmarish for me for that same reason. That movie, much like Mulholland Drive, I know it's a weird comparison, but not as weird as you think. Um, they're both about LA and the promise of fame and the trappings of that and how LA is this seductive, but you know, sort of unruly force. Except like Lynch. somehow had restraint and how he <laughs> killed our dreams like, uh-huh. like fucking uh was this refin refin oh my god man like it was just so hard to watch some of these scenes where literally dude i am not someone who ever skips past certain scenes um got really close to doing it on one scene and i'm sure you know so it, like, uh, yeah because because i told you um before like my experience watching this movie i'd been up for like almost 20 hours straight hanging out with friends and I saw that there was one showtime in the morning at like a theater in the next county. And I really wanted to see this before it got out of theaters because my friend was telling me it was great. Right. Um, so I went to see it and there were seven people in the theater counting me um, when the opening credits started and only two counting me when the end credits started. There is one scene in this movie where like when you watch it, you'll probably be able to know like I'm guessing that we're on the same wavelength here where people just stood up and were like, nope, walked out. And that's um, great. I love well, movies like that. On, well, there's one that's especially bad, but even before that one, there's one with Keanu where I'm just like, oh. Oh, yeah, like, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. The and knife that's, one? That's what I'm saying. That second scene is right on the heels of the Keanu of it all, which you're already yeah. like, Ugh. And then yeah. immediately. <laughs> and you're like, is there going to be a third scene? And kind of. Right. But at yeah. that point, you're just like numb. <laughs> Well, here's my thing. I understand that big scene. I don't know why we're being coy about it. Spoilers if you haven't seen Neon Demon. It's three years old. But uh, Jenna Malone, which, by the way, really good actress. I feel like Mm -hmm. underused in everything. And she's just subtly really good in everything she does. Yeah, she was like an indie darling for a while. But she's sort of just done supporting roles for the past 10 years or so. Yeah, She's killing them in those roles. I mean, so good for her. But um, watching that scene specifically Jenna Malone uh, it doesn't fuck a corpse but goddamn gets close to fucking a corpse like uses a corpse as a prop you know which is a little creepy to me it was literally the part where and I'm sorry audience she spits in the corpse's mouth and then starts uh, kissing her is when like five people stood up and walked out right but see that's my problem because nothing before that scene granted the Keanu thing is rough too but everything is so visually arresting and uh, the pacing of it is so fucking otherworldly to me. Like mm-hmm. there's a scene where 
where and I forget who it is. It's the, it's not the first guy who paints her gold, even though that was horrific watching. I'm like, oh, yeah, like right. The second guy who uh, who is does the whole thing. It's like when she starts to believe that she is better than people. Mm -hmm. the second guy talking about like she's perfection and the currency oh, right. and how beauty is the only currency we have you wouldn't stop to look at her if she hadn't been beautiful right yeah. i mean everything about that like that scene is so slow and so like the camera is just existing like mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i don't know i just loved it everything was so visually arresting and every time they did like an actual show of course it was the color scale was beautiful and all that shit what right. i'm saying is like i got that it was a weird movie at no time was i like this is boring or this is some uh, something other than uh, getting a, an emotion out of me, which I think that's what art's supposed to do. You know what I mean? I think that's like yeah. the big, big takeaway from it. So I, it's weird that people, like I get that that was a shocking scene. How do you come back from that? But at the same mm -hmm. time, it wasn't like the movie was terrible, terrible, terrible. Ah, oh, this is the straw that broke the camel's back sort of deal. Like it was a good movie. Right. Um, and when you rewatch that movie again, knowing what you know about the fact that um, Jenna Malone is actually like, part of some weird Hollywood cult, yeah. witch cult or something that eats young women to gain their beauty. Um, when you rewatch it, like you kind of see the predatory sort of vibe from her in a way you didn't in the beginning. Right. Because she seems like the one nice person in this girl's life at the start of the movie. Um, but like when you rewatch it, it's like there's always a predator somewhere in the frame with um, Elle Fanning. Uh, it's kind of great. I, the biggest thing I'm taking away from all these movies that I've watched is LA is scary. If you're a really pretty young, naive lady, if you're yeah, a guy, if you've got the, you're yeah, probably if you're fine. a guy, you know, people might call the cops on you if you're in the Bentley neighborhood. But other than that, you know, <laughs> I mean, they would call the cops on me if I was in the Bentley neighborhood. You, they were right. a little unsure of. They're like, yeah, they're like, well, he's a white guy, but you could be like a trust fund kid who's trying to protest. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> got a half beard. He's like, oh. He's in oh, he's like a trust fund kid that shops at Target. Okay. All right, I get that. He tries to keep it reals, man. You know? <laughs> he likes to see what's what with the... With the he's a man of the people, you know? He's going to run for office one day. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really liked it. I really liked... That guy, he is successful in crafting films that don't need to adhere to a logic, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Not to say there's no logic there. Not to say it's a bunch of loose scenes that are connected. It's, yeah, it's just that like I, I I'm not going into it for a strong like I need some setup I need a reminder and I need a payoff okay like I need Chekhov's <laughs> goddamn gun to be reinforced I don't need that shit and right those aren't really the point of those movies yeah uh, and I think that's what's so special about it is like you're going into it and you're really experiencing something these Europeans have some something up on us that's not new I mean you know I'm a huge fan of the spaghetti westerns and shit and it was the co-opting of the American West as a trope, but by European directors, they mm -hmm. called it the opera of violence. And it's like watching any of these things. Yeah. They're not Westerns, but I would be hard pressed not to give them that same title. You know what I mean? Like they, they really understand that music and tone and image is so important. Even who's the other guy who just did sharp objects, the French guy. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, what, uh, John, J Good guy. Duke, John J Johansson. Okay. Um, Jean-Luc Godard. <laughs> that was secretly Jean-Luc. I'm old. Uh, it's, 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 there's a John in there somewhere. It is. Um, but my point is this, that he, 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 you know, he's really great too. And, and it's not like isolated to, oh, well, that's what Danish filmmakers do. Oh, that's what Italian filmmakers do. You know what I mean? Jean-Marc Vallée. Nailed it. Jean-Marc. I love it. Jean-Marc, right? Is it Jean? No, Jean. Hey, I'm Jean Mark Ballet. 
Let's that, make a movie. David Lynch hates this motherfucker, <laughs> and in his spare time, he just talks mad shit about him. Does whiny bitch impersonations of him all the time. <laughs> He's like oh just God. secretly super jealous of Jean-Marc Valley. <laughs> uh that's gonna be blue velvet's gonna be on the criterion collection this month and i'm totally i saw that i think criterion is slowly releasing all lynch's stuff and i'm super happy about it i want to buy all of it i also want to watch inland empire because i have not seen it since 2008 or something so yeah it's a tough watch it's almost three hours long it's all shot on a handy cam most of it doesn't really make any sense yeah, but I just watched that rabbits thing, so I feel like I'm not I'm not looking for. Sex. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, David Lynch's sitcom about rabbits. It's it super weird. fun. Check it out. It Look up uh, rabbits by David Lynch. You'll have a good laugh, audience. Um, so uh, shifting gears. Look, LA is going to be cool. I'm really excited about that. But I want to talk about two more things. Um, one really fascinated me, which was called cryptonesia. Have you ever heard of cryptonesia before? No, it's not. I thought you were going to say cryptocurrency, but now you're making it sound like. Have you ever heard of cryptocurrency? I'm the last guy to hear about it. What's up? Um, (laughs) You got to get these bite coins. So wait, is Cryptonesia just a a land where all of the cryptocurrency gurus uh, (laughs) decided to relocate? It's like Atlas Shrugged, but for cryptocurrency dudes, they they all disappeared off the face of the earth. Where are they? They're on their own island, just buying each other's cryptocurrency. everyone's flat like nothing <laughs> in value or goes down in value it's perfect right. like, um no cryptonesia is a weird it, it, you know it came to my attention because of comedy but cryptonesia is the idea of misremembering like having a memory and misinterpreting it as a new thought okay so like the idea this comes in comedy a lot because uh, let's just use the Dan Cook, uh, Louis C.K. of it all, right? Mm-hmm. Dan Cook told some jokes about naming his kid, right? And he's like, uh, I'm going to name her, uh, right? Like rolling of the R's. That's that's mm-hmm. that name. Louis C.K. four years earlier had another joke that was just like 14 F's. That's his name, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they go into this whole debate on whether, you know, like the, the, there's no copyright on jokes, that's the weird thing about it. It's hard to steal a joke because jokes by design have very general premises that many people can do. Like there's nothing original about, oh, I think it's funny to name kids weird things. That's been done a billion right. times. But it's about the way in which you build it and the way what the punchline is and blah, 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 blah. Man, but think so, about but- how many com- comedians wouldn't be able to do like anything or have any careers if somebody had patented airline humor jokes you know right. like man you ever have airline food and then they immediately get sued i want to know why everyone uses airline food as it a comedy go-to I've never i think heard it, it maybe it was happening time, maybe <laughs> like, it was happening a lot in like the 90s or something that was or maybe, j- <laughs> or maybe that was just the backlash against seinfeld like this fucking Seinfeld guy comes in, he just does the same airline comedy shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it became a thing. Every comedian had a five minute airline bit. Like, this fucker's just making all the money, you know? Because Seinfeld's, the they wanted that Seinfeld money. Seinfeld went where the joke puck was, or it was going to be, not where it was at the time. Everyone else is trying to follow him and not be visionaries. And that's why airline food. Did you just say them. joke puck? Are you trying to make this about hockey now? Yeah, it's always about hockey. Okay. That's a Gretzky quote. I mean, don't give me shit. Not Wayne, uh, but the other one is the the Daddy Gretzky, which I forget. There's another name. Gretzky. Walter Gretzky. Yeah. You don't know Walter Gretzky? Yeah, I, I don't, don't want to get too far on the Gretzky thing of it all. Listen, but Walter Gretzky built Wayne uh, a fucking ice rink in his backyard because he wanted to skate 
like he single-handedly gave us Wayne Gretzky. You know what I mean? Like what a goddamn badass. Anyway, what was I saying here? Oh, Jerry Seinfeld. Okay. But my point is cryptonesia is the idea that uh, you, let's say we're stand-up comedians. Okay. Hmm. And we're in the comedy cellar in the, in the village, right? We're hanging yeah. out. Just got out. We just got pizza, pizza. We're going down to the comedy cellar. Right. Yeah. And I'm there and you're telling so some the, jokes. the opening credits. Yeah, or Louis. Louis. We're doing Louis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, fine. I'll go to Poulet Frit, the French fry place across the street from the comedy cellar. That's fine. Um, all right. So we're there together. You go on, you do 10 minutes and you have some joke. All right. I'm in yeah. the back. I'm having drinks. I'm talking, I'm bullshitting with other people. Um, but I hear the seed of this idea. And then in my mind, I punch up the bit a little bit. I'm like, oh, that's a good joke. This is how you would make it better. Three days later, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, I had this amazing idea for a joke because you remember the punching up, but you don't mm. remember the initial thing that you heard. And so right. this is how this happens. And it's a weird phenomenon that in comedy, and then we're going to circle back because it's not just comedy, uh, but in comedy, it's like the admission of guilt. It's like when, um, when a corporation gets sued and then they settle out of court, but they don't have to admit liability. You know what I'm saying? They're like, right. listen, we didn't have anything to do with this, but here's $20 million. Go away. Uh, yeah. It's the same concept as that. So it's like uh, the Louis and the Dan Cook thing. They even addressed it in that episode of Louis that Dan Cook's in. He's like, dude, I think you just heard it and you forgot that you did it, but it didn't stop you either. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and he's like, cryptonesia. So it's the person admits that they stole, but they won't admit to liability of being a thief which is like a big deal. It's this weird caveat that everyone wins in. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but the advent of this was not started from comedy. They did this as a test group in the 80s. And it was about, uh, okay, there's a group of people working together. Mm -hmm. And they have to be tasked with how do they come up with a diagnosis? Some critical thinking, problem solving thing they have to do and work as a team. Everyone would have to give suggestions, right? Yeah. So then a week later, they would ask these same people, hey, what did you contribute to? And they would like list all the things. And what they found is that like in 14% of the people who responded, there was this idea that they had co-opted ideas that were not their own, but they had vividly made a memory that they had created it. You know what I mean? So it's not just a comedy thing. It's not like this caveat that was created to absolve fucking thieves from being thieves. It's like a real phenomenon that exists, yeah. which I'm just wondering how bad does this get? Because there's no legal recourse in comedy. But listen, mm. I play piano, man, and like everything is like five chords. So you're going to slip up on a chord progression that someone else is, and you may not know that. But there is copyright to that. You know what I mean? Like right. a melody. A fucking that's, why, uh, that's why McCartney didn't release um, yesterday for a minute, because he could have sworn that somebody else had either written the chord progression or some of the lyrics or something. He thought it was a song he'd heard before, it's a perfect but nobody... Melody nobody could find that melody anywhere else. Um, and then he eventually like released it. In his defense, it's a perfect melody. The first time you yeah. hear yesterday, you feel like you've heard it a billion times before. Like right. it is perfect fucking, it's in your bones. It goes yeah. with the circadian rhythms and shit, you know? And thank God he changed the lyrics because originally scrambled it was about eggs. like scrambled eggs and making breakfast, so. Baby, how I love your legs. That's the next line. <laughs> <laughs> like, Wait, he's talking to eggs or is he making scrambled eggs and talking to a lady? I don't know. The, the message so beautiful, so brave. <laughs> but um, the cryptonesia thing is really interesting to me. And then there's, there's different degrees to it because they'll say like, okay, cryptonesia, you, you took it but didn't know. Then they showed a really good example of Cosby and Mencia, right? <laughs> Both deserving of ire for different reasons, by the way. <laughs> I was like, who am I rooting for in this scenario? <laughs> Man, it's like a, just a all shitty suicide squad. <laughs> no one is likable here. Uh, all right, so oh. they tell this whole bit, and Cosby, it's, it's on Bill Cosby himself, and it's a wonderful bit. It is. It's about how uh, a father sacrifices in order for a son to be great. 
and he talks about like you know the 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 father has to wake up he works a job works nine to five works at least 40 hours and then gets up early takes the kid to school and then after after work he plays with him he plays catch with him every day throws the football okay and then uh he gets older and he needs to get some uh some equipment and he needs to do this so he can continue playing football and he does that and then he takes up an overtime and then he moves his house to a different county just so his son can play at the right um high school okay and then Mm. he takes out a a double mortgage on his house so he can afford to put his kid through college so he can play and the kid works great he does his whole life he keeps going now he's been drafted five years later he's in the fucking super bowl okay he wins the super bowl they the the camera's like oh my god this is amazing do you want to say anything to anyone and the first thing that kid says is hi mom and the dad's like what because he sacrificed his whole life and this fucking ungrateful sod of a child wants to thank the mom instead they cut to Mencia, dude, lit verbatim, verbatim. Yeah, he added a couple little things on the side. But, like, you've been in school. You've seen a plagiarized essay, bro. It's like, yo, you can't add I three words. I them we shits, bro. <laughs> you, you, like, you have to know that, like, we could tell a plagiarized thing. Like, it's not hard. It's not hard. Yeah. There's, like, there's too many similarities. And and also, like, if you're going to steal from somebody, like, steal from some, like, low-rent comic that no one knows yeah Yeah, don't steal from fucking one of the most famous successful comedians of all time right oh my god it was but it was just a fascinating thing to me in general that like this is a because it's a real thing it's not something that was made up for comedians to to be able to deny uh, you know liability it's a real medical thing that happens in your brain i know i've done it before dolores told me a story about something and then two days later i was like oh my god i had this great idea and i started telling her she's like i told you this two days ago and i'm like oh (laughs) memory was fucking shattered right that's why i don't trust any of my memories of like well no i just don't trust any of my memories you know because like i'm wondering (laughs) how, how much of that is invention or fabrication or the human brain just like filling in dark spots that it might not remember Oh, I thought you were going, I thought you were like, I don't know how much Blade Runner's inside me, man. They may put these memories inside me, you know, like maybe that movie fucked me up, bro. My childhood memories, man. (laughs) (laughs) Like one minute you think that you're like the first ever human uh, robot hybrid. And the next minute you're fucking dying on the steps while Harrison Ford gets to say hi to his daughter. Harrison Ford, what a joke. (laughs) Indiana Jones 5, really? Like, come on, man. Uh, I mean, no. Harrison Ford is a man. He's a pretty cool guy. He rescues well, I mean, people in his helicopter. I guess that's cool. I think that's not even a thing to be cool. I think he's just trying to say, oh, I have a helicopter. And he just oh, he's just trying to show off his helicopter? Like, yeah, he's like, I spent a lot of money on this fucking thing. I'm going to save some goddamn hikers or something. Right. Like, they uh, don't even need saving. He just sees some hikers and he lands his helicopter on a tree, <laughs> crushes it. Come with me. And they're like, do we have to? And he's like pointing a gun at him. <laughs> Harrison Ford kidnapped. When I drop you off, you say Harrison Ford saved my life, and then they sign an NDA. I just loved it, man. That's that's a fucking monster. I read this thing recently that was about Indiana Jones four and how long it took to get made, because apparently uh, it was. So Last Crusade is eighty nine, I believe, Um, and they don't leave well enough alone because then they do Young Indy, which is like Mm ninety two to ninety four somewhere in that window, and. Apparently, I don't know this, I never watched Young Indiana Jones, but Harrison Ford comes on that show to do a guest appearance. How does that work? I don't know if he's like, they close a book and they pan up and he's old Indiana Jones. I mean, I don't know, but they had him in Or time traveling Indiana Jones? Well, see, that's what gets interesting. his younger self? 
that's the that's the weird point thank you for bringing up time travel because that's sort of what happened here uh lucas had the bright idea of saying like hey we were in love with the serials of the 30s and 40s why not attach indiana jones to the uh, b films of the 50s that we also really love on paper really good idea not a bad idea you know what i mean right. with the exception of you know indiana jones is supposed to be in like the jungles and shit but whatever mm-hmm. you know, i can i can deal with it um, so he pitched it to Spielberg <laughs> and he pitched it to Harrison Ford who were like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, I don't want to do Alien. <laughs> and so they you ever wonder, on- like, here's what I want to know. Sorry to interrupt is like, how many times has Spielberg had to politely decline one of no. George Lucas's no. ideas? <laughs> like we hear about like the more top tier high level ones. Cause those are the ones that George Lucas is not embarrassed by. Right. Just imagine how many embarrassing fucking <laughs> ideas. Like this is the same guy that wanted to make Luke Skywalker a guy with a robot face and Han Solo a lizard. Right. So it's a better same. movie. I'm just trying well. to think about that movie. I mean, because that's the because you're right. That sounds like something like Jordorowski would do. Like you know, Dune yeah. would have been that. If he, he, would, he, he was like supposed to be a 65 year old man with a robot face who fights Darth Vader. Do you ever think about how close we were just to Star Wars not being a thing in our lives? Like, yeah. like this could have been a B-movie thing that fell into oblivion, and somehow it's the biggest franchise of all time, sort of. Right. Well, it like, reminds me of that uh, trailer for, did you see the trailer for Yesterday, the new Danny Boyle movie? <laughs> yeah, about but I was the really Beatles. against it at first. When I first I'm it. still against it because it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, the right. Beatles would not be big if they came out today. They might be, like, kind of, sort of big. It might right. be like Kings of Leon big. Wait, I didn't see the trailer. Is the I know the premise is that no one else knows the Beatles existed, but the whole idea is in present day. This is like this is like they traveled back in time and stole music and you yeah, ever hear so, that apply to the Concord's Bowie story where they got really shitty with Bowie because they had stole some of their riffs. And then Jermaine's like, well, to be fair, you were playing him his own songs to him before he wrote them. And he's like, yeah, it's a real chicken egg situation. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, um, the whole concept, if you haven't seen the trailer, is that this guy like hits his head and he's some no name musician who's struggling. And when he wakes up, uh, he wakes up in a world where the Beatles never happened. And then he just starts playing Beatles songs. And next thing he knows, he's on James Corden. And like everybody's like, oh, he's the best songwriter of our generation. Right. And everybody's freaking out, just like the you know whole Beatles thing in the 1960s. This is why Danny Boyle didn't make Bond. He had to make this fucking movie. He's yeah. running out of goodwill with me real quickly, man. This fucking is guy. It? Did you not see T2 Train Spotting? Because that was actually pretty great. I did not. Is it worth it? Because I, yeah, I just really like Train Spotting. Like, there's it's no point going back. One of, one, of, one of the better sequels I've ever seen, maybe. Okay. All right. You swayed me because I was going to say uh, outside of 28 days, which I, 28 days later, which I think is wonderful. And outside of millions, which I also think is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't love any sunshine. Either. Oh, sunshine's great. And I kind of like trance. All right. Maybe I'm walking this back. Maybe Danny Boyle's <laughs> fine. <laughs> what, what's the He's last just, thing he did that just bothered me? Something he did made me mad. Or he also you- did 127 hours. Um, Steve jobs, which I really, really like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He directed the Olympics, right? <laughs> that was the thing he did. I was like, "Oh fuck Wait, you, he, he James Bond taking the out Olympic. the queen." Oh, he yeah, did, well, he did ceremony. the uh, opening ceremonies in 2012. Right. I mean, that was seven years ago, Christian. You got to let it go. You can't. Hold and that he again. was um, a director and producer on Trust, starring uh, Donald Sutherland and our bro Doom Patrol. Can I talk to you about Doom Patrol for a second? You can. I don't know anything about it. I'm coming kind in. Kind of great, dude. Blank. Like, kind of really awesome and wonderful and i is was, this a dc thing 
Yeah, and I know what you're thinking already, but I just I need to tell you how good this show was, and that, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because there's one last thing I want to talk about. But like, my mm. God, Brendan Fraser, just a comedic genius, and you don't know that you would never say that before watching this, but. Remember it. when you sent me the video of Brendan Fraser talking about assaults and crying, and you said this is the funniest thing I've ever seen? I did just rewatch that yesterday because I'm like, was I terrible or was this funny? And no, it's still hilarious. I mean, both is the answer. Like, I felt like the biggest piece of shit for laughing at that, but it didn't stop me from laughing. So, well, because you're watching it and you think I'm wrong. You're like, there's nothing funny about this. Then you get to those last 20 seconds and you're like, okay, yeah. The punchline was perfect. (laughs) Yeah. I was like reevaluating, like, who is Christian? What is, and and then the last 20 seconds. That would have been, that would have been the the, the bridge too far for you. Like, listen. Yeah, Yeah, bro, we got to talk. Right. Sexual assault against Brendan is not funny. Yeah, Me Too is terrible, but Me Too against Brendan is awful um, <laughs> when it happens to brendan frazier though yeah let's transition a little bit we can talk about mm. some me too uh, the, all right listen so ryan adams the first motherfucker to get me threed all right like because there were so many damning stories about him because I, again this is weird it's not harvey and bill which i think there's actual like rape going on which is horrific you know what i mean this this sounded more like emotional uh, manipulation and, and using status and power to, to yeah crush and also he was like trying to bang a 16 year old well like, listen that's she, and grooming her since she was 14 and now she doesn't want to ever play music again she was like a world like like entering into competitions or something for like playing the cello or something like that i don't know that makes now me she's really like, sad. I'm never going to play music again because of this guy. Yeah, I mean, that's terrible. That's yeah. terrible. One, I don't think that she should let this asshole have that power, but that's easy for me to say, someone who was not affected by what was going on. Right. But and I mean, it, also, okay. as a 28, 29 year old man, like, I can't imagine going through something like that when you're that age, too. Oh, no, of course. Of course. I'm not saying yeah. that. I mean, I just, I, I'm trying to be careful because a lot, like, it's weird. We don't talk shit about other people who have done similar things in that vein. Right. Franco tried to fuck a like 16 year old and we all laughed it off. No one said anything about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I saw that and I was like, oh, Franco. Right. Like, you loon. <laughs> but <laughs> it didn't happen, man. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, this shit happens where people like me talking to underage people and I'm not advocating and I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying it's interesting that some people kind of got the pass on this where people are harping on this one specifically. Mm. I think especially after the R. Kelly thing, which I don't know how well-versed you, you are on that, but oh my God, like um, horrific. Just that he's like a goddamn piece of human trash? Dude, it's just the idea that like, it's not even a secret. He just wants to fuck 14-year-olds. <laughs> like, like it's right. not even a secret. It's like an open thing that people know about and it really creeps me out. Like, that's the weird thing about all of the Me Too stuff because the, to give some context, the Ryan Adams thing blew up and Ryan Adams is someone whose music I do genuinely like. I haven't listened to the last couple of records, but really like him. Um, he came out and his ex-wife, Mandy Moore, said a bunch of shit. Phoebe Bridgers said some stuff, which she's mm. great. I really love her new record. And it just seems like uh, we're all complicit in a way. That's something Phoebe Bridger said in her thing about that. But this has got to be mm-hmm. true for everything. The Bill Cosby thing was known well before Hannibal Burris said anything. It was just this kind of known yeah. fact that we all joked about. But and it was just something being- where Hannibal Burris is like, isn't it crazy that everybody knows this and nothing's been done? Right. No, I mean, but yeah. that's horrific, dude. That's a, yeah. that's some next level shit. And my point is like, 
everyone is going into outrage thing now. I saw Rami Malek doing a fucking interview for Bohemian Rhapsody where he yeah. had the audacity to be like, oh, I've never heard of Brian Singer's allegations before. I'm like, what do you mean? It's been like 25 fucking years. Like five or six, seven different people have all said this shit. This isn't something that you can even possibly, like if you're in Hollywood, you have heard about this shit. Like, so don't lie to us. Like you're all complicit. And I just think it's a really fucked up thing because that was what Phoebe Bridger said. She's like, he had people in his team and in his management that knew what he was doing and never said no. They enabled him to continue to act poorly. And I think right. that's the big takeaway from all this. Well, is like, dude. And, and she also said to bring it to a more personal level, it's not just about the infrastructure that supports people like that. It's about like, even in your personal life, if you know a friend who acts that way and you don't say anything, you're complicit. Like right. it's the onus is on you to be like, hey, that's fucked up, stop. Or like have a conversation. If you're not having that conversation, then you're willfully allowing them to continue doing what they're doing. What I think it also, I mean, absolutely. I think the other problem with it is that it's exposing people. Like we can't get it, we can't form two true opinions at the same time or true facts at the same time, which is like, hey, he might be a really good singer songwriter. He writes some mm -hmm. good songs. He's also a monster. People think right. that if you make beautiful art, it somehow makes you not a monster. <laughs> like you don't have the capability of being able to do that. And I think that that's why we like allow these things to happen. I think that's why these people in positions get away with so much because they're like, oh, they're creatives. They have right. a, a method. Like, no, like, yeah. I, no method should include hurting any other person. And that's the older I get, the more I don't like artists, man. Bunch of dinks, all of them, every single one. Name one artist isn't a dink. I'll tell you they're a dink. Bob Ross? Fucking dink. <laughs> the biggest, biggest dink. dink of them all. Are you kidding King me? Dink, he inspired them. a generation of new dinks to come in <laughs> and dink They're up everything. Hair. Yeah, They're awesome gentrifying our neighborhoods. They're running around doing great that looks good. Solely on Bob Ross. <laughs> <laughs> You're like... All the trees look fantastic. I'm over it. Right, I don't need a tree line to block. All right, fuck Bob Ross. He's God wonderful. damn you, Bob Ross, and your fucking perm. Who has a perm? I know it was the seventies. Bob Ross. Yeah. Well, he was like way too old for that too. Like that's that's a mistake <laughs> you make in your twenties. You know. Right. That's a, that's a really good point. Like he was old enough to know better about that. He was, he was like a he was like a grandpa at that time. He's like a forty year old man. That's a dude where I'm like he molested people, right? Because like, Jesus Christ. I don't like, like me calling to... him a dink was as far as I was going to take that fake outrage. But you're like he molested people. Dude, I didn't take I it a step further. Why? I know he happy. did. I saw it, and I said something, but no one listened. No one listened, bro. <laughs> no, but uh, he, he he didn't like. He just was too happy about shit. No one should be that well, happy. It isn't isn't the isn't the origin story for Bob Ross that he was in the military and was a drill sergeant or drill instructor? And after he got out, he was like, I never want to yell at people again. I want to do things that heal and help people. Like, uh, by all accounts, this was like a righteous dude. I know I'm talking righteous shit. Righteous asshole. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, Let's say, hey, he died in Orlando, so he was in our backyard. That's pretty cool. O-Town. Uh, Remember that yeah. band, O-Town? Yeah. Oh, so good, bro. So, so good. good. Whatever happened to them? <laughs> they broke up pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> they put out two records. It was good for them. What a loss. To the world. Yeah. To the art community. Because that was a bunch of Bob Dylans, bro. That was like, they were just four yeah. Dylans ready to take over the world. It's like we thought we would never get another Bob Dylan. We got four of them at in once. one band. And what did we do? Ungrateful fucking We spurned peasants. them. <laughs> we chased them with fucking pitchforks and goddamn uh, torches, man. <laughs> like, get out of this O-Town, O-Town. 
As, do you know anyone in Orlando who actually called Orlando O-Town? Because I want to kill all of them. I called it O-Town all, all the right. time because I thought it was hilarious. I need to end this so I can drive to Brooklyn so I can murder you. <laughs> <laughs> but let's keep recording. It'll be dead air for a while. Just sit there and you'll be murdered on mic. <laughs> okay. So I'll just be like talking about how I'm waiting to get murdered and you're right. like in your car driving. Yeah. Three-hour podcast, guys. I mean, we're already an hour in, so it's going to be like a four-hour podcast. Are we already an hour in? Yarp. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. All, all, all I'm saying about the Ryan Adams thing, uh, and then we'll leave it alone, is I, my emotional connection to that is weird. I once went on a road trip to Alabama with an ex-girlfriend. Oh, God, with, Alabama. With a toilet monster, because we I forgot. We have, we have named her in this universe of Where's My Burrito. So yeah. I went to Alabama with toilet monster once, and um, we went to go visit her father, who was up there. It was a really emotional situation for her. And I remember, like, I, I remember I used to have a giant book of CDs or whatever, like just every CD yeah. ever. I, I think like all of our friends at that time had a giant book of CDs. And I remember my friend Jackson, our mutual friend Jackson, um, would like do like artwork on all of his like CDs. And my first copy of Bitter Tea, he drew the fucking yeah. Fiery Furnace album it was, cover. It like, was kind of low-key like really good. Yeah. yeah. No, he was great. Really Same that. thing with the Velvet Underground. He drew the banana for me and stuff, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, which I like that I just like that so much because that was a weird like these kids now I hate to say that it's such a I've heard that my whole life but these kids now will never know it really was like this expression of like, especially our friends. Oh, music party! Everyone brought over. We would call them our like yeah. our Bibles or whatever. We'd open mm-hmm. them up and then everything, and it was just and like everybody had this collection. There was some crossover, but some shit you'd never heard of before. Well, we um, would literally be like, "Put this in your computer. Cool. Let me grab that." And like we just yeah. gave each other music, and it was just the most. I hardcore missed that. Um, there there was one music party that we had. I think it was at your yeah, it was at your house. And I brought over my laptop, which had my whole iTunes or whatever. And I think it was Ben and maybe Johnny decided to change every album cover to a picture of like a guy with his dick out smoking a cigarette. And it was like, you couldn't see his face. It was just like torso down, dick out with a cigarette. And like they successfully changed about half of them before I stopped it. And then I had to manually add artwork back to every single person you gotta give them credit if nothing else if they are really committed to the kind of anarchy they commit <laughs> like, fucking little fuckers it's really God impressive it. man and for years there's one like artist who i could not for the life of me change that album artwork like they did something and i couldn't get it changed so i would see that dick like in the a section because it was alphabetical right. and i'd be like god I would just love if you were like, you had some music on around the house and then like that song came up and your mom's like, what the fuck? Oh my God, dude. So Uh, good. But no, like I also remember like, you know, taking road trips and everything and just like, that was part of the joy of it. Like with a friend, with a good friend. And and that's my point. Bring along your book of CDs. When me and Ben drove to Philly together, it was like, that didn't feel like 19 hours or whatever it ended up being because there was so much like you start measuring time not in miles but in uh in, in albums yeah yeah, yeah. so it, it was a really fun time and then this thing me and toilet monster we went over to alabama and we went to go see her father and it was a really emotional emotional thing for her and i had i had ryan adams's love as hell which is an ep he did but it's a really great ep and on mm-hmm. that he covers Wonderwall by oasis but he slows it way down and makes it this like really sad haunting fucking i think thing. i've heard that song i'm sure you've for me yeah, yeah. Um, and so just like that whole album is really great, but I was like, Oh, I'm going to make you listen to this eventually. And I remember we left visiting her father 
and Toilet Monster got really fucking sad, but wouldn't cry because she was trying to be like a big person or whatever. And yeah. so I just slid that CD in as we were driving away, going on the desolate fucking hills of Alabama, and just waterworks, 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 waterworks. Aww. And so, you know, it's a whole thing, man. It was, uh, I have like a weird emotional attachment to that guy's music. I don't have an emotional attachment to him and I think good riddance, but it's one of those things where like, you know, music soundtracks your life for better or for worse. You remember things by, I remember this, (laughs) this girl who means nothing to me, but like we dated for like a month or whatever. I remember the first time we kissed. I remember the song that was playing and I remember where we were. Like those things help you remember a time and place and space, you know what I mean? Which I think yeah. is very interesting to me. And yeah, so, it's like just the way that sense memory works is amazing to me. Like I'll, yeah. I'll catch a whiff of like, I don't know, like the smell of an old book will take me back to like when I was seven in like an old church library or something, right. something I haven't thought about in years. That wasn't important, but it takes you right back there. Like that's fucking incredible to me. I think it's one of the coolest things about the like the human mind. Yeah, we what we were talking about cryptonesia, like that things. Your, yeah. your your memories are imperfect, but at the same time, like there is something in there that's so concrete that if you smell something or you hear something and whatever, it takes you back there. And I think that's such a fascinating thing about the mind right. that we have the ability to kind of time travel in a weird way. You know, like yeah. that's our version of time traveling. So mm-hmm. I really love that, man. And all to say that, like it's really sad that these moments get corrupted slightly. Like, yeah, obviously the toilet monster thing did not end well. It was a pretty horrible right. car mean, crash. Given that you're calling her toilet monster, it's <laughs> well, not a great her name. I didn't, you know, I'm not disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, her Christian name. Yeah, she was born to it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, so it's, it's, it's just that idea that like, that is a moment that no matter how bad that relationship ended, that was a, good moment preserved in time Mm -hmm. slightly corrupted because this you know this guy for better or for worse like this guy whose music i really enjoyed was a creep like and it's it's much harder like it's getting harder and harder to just dismiss don't judge the art by the artist you know because you can say that about some things but eventually the line needs to be drawn you know i use the miles davis thing all the time it's like look i don't like beating women but holy shit miles davis can play the trumpet that's a joke i say but that joke belittles and undermines the very real situation that a woman got beat by a man right and just imagine what that woman was feeling in that moment when that was happening is, mm-hmm. is does, does that moment, which will forever exist for her until she dies, if she hasn't already, like, does that trump the art that he made or vice versa? And it's like, it's something that you kind of have to ask yourself, but at the same time, Miles Davis isn't a special, like a, a special case to me because kind of blue, I know every note on that album. Like right. that's such a monumental like album to me in terms of like my development and how I listen to music and jazz in general, like that yeah. introduced me to no that that is my favorite drug of jazz. Yeah. If I didn't hear Kind of Blue, I never would have got to Bitches Brew. I would have never got to Mingus or any of these other people I really like. Right. That that was the entry point. It was everything. And so when you hear right. that, that's what I'm saying though. Now you have this mythical version of the artist in your head and you have to put it up to the very real standards of every other person that we judge. And so right. I think that it's getting much harder to write this shit off is all I'm saying. And it well, sucks because you have an emotional connection to it. And now somehow that emotional connection seems corrupted. I, I think that it's a mistake to approach anything in a binary way because 
I, I think that's an oversimplification. I think it's okay to like things like the art, but not the artist. Um, it, it's a tough conversation you have to have with yourself. But um, well, because well, yeah, well, what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable? Like emotional abuse, obviously, is not Harvey or Bill raping people. It's still pretty bad and seems really terrible right. for everyone who's involved. Like, but it, it's not going to stop you from remembering fondly remembering some of Bill Cosby's best bits or watching Pulp Fiction. That's right? the one that's rough, dude. Like the. Yeah. I was going back and being like, you fucker, you wrote some of the best jokes I've ever heard. And like, right. yeah, I mean, I, you're right. But, but what I'm saying is we've had that conversation too. Like very rough for me to watch old Louie episodes. Like I still haven't been able to go back. I did listen to his latest stand-up thing, the one that leaked mm. on YouTube, but I didn't. I, I, didn't. I listened to 10 minutes of it and then I was like, ah, I'm good. Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. It was honestly just fine. But my point is like, it's hard for you to go back and to do that. I think everyone has to make that decision with themselves because saying something like Miles Davis beating a woman, obviously horrible, but the music that whether you mean to or not, it says, okay, well, women abuse against women isn't important to you. Not enough to, to disassociate yourself with this fucking person, which I'm not saying you have to. I'm just saying that like, then there's like the Woody Allen thing. Woody Allen may or may not have, fucking molested his daughter and people are actively trying to say nope never again like we will never work with this guy none of his movies will ever come out no actors will work with him because that is something deemed worthy enough of saying no it doesn't matter how good the art is the artist is a piece of shit and so i'm just wondering you know what i'm saying i'm not there's no right answer here i guess i'm just posing a question and just kind of trying to figure out where we land on it but it's a weird thing because all like when people make music it's no longer belongs to them solely it belongs right. to everyone who experienced something listening to that music. It's why when we watch movies that have uh, Here Comes the Sun in it, you know, we realize that's George Harrison's, but it also belongs to everyone who's ever listened to it and had a memory to it or saw it in a movie and was really moved by the usage of it in a, in a movie. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So that's all I'm saying. I don't know. I feel like I'm going all over the place, but it's just, uh, God damn it. Keep it in your goddamn pants, guys. Like, what are we, what are we doing here? It's just. Yeah. Yeah, dudes, dudes are the worst. Am I right? Right. All right, let's talk about something I really <laughs> want to talk about, which is right. This, this shit's plagued me. What? What the fuck is up with number two pencils, Max? And hear me out. I've never seen a number one pencil. Never seen a number three pencil. But okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right now. Are you seriously just awkwardly, clumsily transitioning between how, how do we balance, you know, the sins of the artist with the art that they make to what's up with number two pencils? You're like going straight right. into a like an opening bit in Seinfeld. Like where's the number one pencil? And everybody goes. Bow, bow, bow. Listen, one of these is a really serious issue that we need to focus on, and the which other is one the is number just, two pencil. Yeah, number two yeah. pencil, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to solve this right now by using a little tool called the internet. Number one pencil. I just don't know the difference. I don't understand it. And like, they're not even lead pencils, bro. It's all graphite inside. It's all fake news. Number two pencils are lying um, to the American public. Pencil makers manufacture number one, two, two point five, three, and four pencils. What does it mean? What's the difference? What's the? It's what's the, the size of the. It's the size of the graphite. That's it. It's just how big the fucking writing part of it is. Little tip. I think so. So why is so, two- so mystery solved? No, but why is two the standard? Because somebody said, "Hey, you know what? It's not too big. It's not too small. It's just right." Have you ever in your life used a number one pencil? Ever? I might have. I don't no. want to say no, the and then somebody no. digs into my past and finds out that I have. 
I just what I'm asking is, is is this a relatively new thing? Like when we went to school, was there like big pencil is like we're, we're pushing we're pushing the agenda of number two pencils? And then when we went to school, it's all we ever heard. Make sure you had to bring your number two pencils for the test. Like right. that's all I've ever heard. I've never used a number one. Do you pencil. think that like it wouldn't have scanned on the Scantron if we'd used a two point five? I think we need to find out. <laughs> like where's my burrito special investigative piece? Well, we go let's back go, to school. <laughs> go back straight back to first grade. It's hello, just like you and teenagers. me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hello, fella. And they're like fucking seven years old. <laughs> and you were worried I brought up number two pencils. Look at that. This is fine. It's a great subject, man. Yeah. You saw we were on a nosedive and you're like, I got to pull up <laughs> number two pencils. Really I know. Yeah. Did you just happen to have a number two pencil somewhere in your periphery? Was this a Kaiser Soze uh, situation? <laughs> no, uh, I, I literally was, uh, I was watching something the other day and someone said, number one pencil. I'm like, those don't exist. <laughs> like, I think I, number one and number three pencils are conspiracy theories and like meant to throw us off the trail that there's only one pencil. You know what I mean? <laughs> just one pencil. Oh shit! You can buy number one pencils right now on Amazon for three twenty nine. Fake fucking news, bro. Well, buy it for this show. Spend that money. How much is that? I'll Venmo you. Buy those pencils. I'm not gonna buy this. <laughs> I'm not gonna spend any money on this. I'm not gonna have you send me money for this. It's not gonna happen. Ass system, man. It's just how we. This is Jim Crow, but with pencils, and that's not okay. Jim Crow with pencils. Jim Crow with pencils. Ah, I let it linger. I I heard that pregnant pause. And I'm doubling down on it. All right. You're right. You're fucking right. We need to put an end to this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order it right now. I'm sorry. You know, I'm going to get the two pack. Let's get uh, Alexandria. Or Congress ladies. Yeah. Specifically the Congress ladies. Because they'll get it. They're like, yeah. No. Those, but those ladies did get it, bro. Like the Amazon thing is incredible. And I've been fighting with dumb New Yorkers all day about it, all week about it. But like, really, I don't understand really how you find yourself in so many arguments. You're always telling me, like, oh, I was fighting with this guy about um, fucking Soderbergh's Solaris. I was fighting with this right. person it's about the same guy. pencils <laughs> and same bar. I keep going there. I know he's there. You think I would? Yeah. But I don't. I go right for him. And I think you're going for the fight, man. Right. You, you, want, point, you want the fight to, the, to happen. For the confrontation. Like, Are you the sucker puncher or the sucker punchies? Yeah, question. I'm the Charlie Zelenhoff <laughs> in this situation. <laughs> You've seen Solaris punch in the face. Like, have, you, have, you, have you reckoned with that fact about yourself? Are you at peace with that? Yesterday on the phone, <laughs> you asked me if in our friendship, who is Dan Harmon and who is Rob Schraub? For people who don't know, you know who Dan Harmon is, the community. His best friend is a guy named Rob Schraub. They've worked together for 25 years. Okay. On the mm-hmm. podcast, uh, Rob Schraub is an evil genius, all right? Mm-hmm. He makes no sense. He has liberated everyone from having to make sense while being funny. And you asked me who I was. everyone. Yeah. Yeah, but you asked me who I was. And I'm just yeah, like. Yeah, like which one am I? Which one are you? Yeah, I mean, if it's about getting yourself in trouble all the time, I'm clearly Dan Harmon. I think you're way smarter than me. So I would say you're Dan Harmon in that matter. But like, it's. My point is, I have no fucking clue. I have to reckon with myself every day who I am. And I have no idea, man. Maybe, maybe it's, a, it's a little bit of both for both of us. You know, maybe each of us has a little bit of Dan Harmon and a little bit of Rob Schraub. It's this. It's the Schraub Harmon balance that keeps us, you know, the yin and the yang, right, of the self. I if feel those like two were one person, they'd be very balanced. <laughs> right, that would be a super. He'd be like that. Like that unchecked is how dictators happen. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be the next fucking messiah. I say dictator, like messiah, yeah, like Christ figure, right? You're like, oh, <laughs> shit. All right. 
I mean, well, what I was mean, Jesus? So, so here's the big thing. Uh, they're bringing it all the way back to LA, right? Mm. Where, we, where we started, where we will end. I mean, as a species, I think eventually, like, the sea creatures all come up and they force all of humanity into California. And, you know, that's where our last stand is. The our, sea creatures? Yeah, we put our back to the ocean. We fucking fight like men do. You know what I mean? And women. Hashtag feminism. But I'm just saying. 